Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning in need of you. We remember Jesus saying that apart from you, we can do nothing. We remember him saying that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Father, so today we ask that your truth would inform us, our hearts and our minds, and would change our lives. God, we want that. And we need that. But we are unable to do that ourselves. So, Father, we ask, by your great power, for your great glory, you would work today through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to cover the whole chapter today. Last week was the end of Exodus 4, and we looked at the the seriousness of disobedience. And I I hope and pray that this week you are able to live life uh, a little more conscious of uh, disobedience and how serious disobedience to God is. Um, I hope that the preaching of the Word and the understanding of God's... uh, God's will, God's way, God's desires, God's demands uh, are something that are starting to be binding on your heart. I hope you're living with an understanding of what God is like and how he relates or connects to you. I do want to say that as Exodus gets moving now, we are about to understand some heavy truths. So if you're here today and, and you've got your, your, your phone constantly refreshing or or if you're here today and, and you know that the SEC championship game is this afternoon, that's all you can think about, I'd ask you to dial in for the next 40 minutes. God has some major, major truth for you to get today. Some good stuff. And I've been in prayer and I've been hoping that God would absolutely use me today to get you to understand and believe this. I do know this. We need to get it. We need to understand and and love and, and worship God for who He is. We need to have a good understanding of how He relates and connects to us. You're going to get a lot of that today in Exodus chapter 5. Today, as I've mentioned, is the Sunday of the SEC championship, the ACC championship. Today is what most basketball fans know as Selection Sunday. Tonight, while we're here having evening service, the NCAA Selection Committee will choose the, the tournament, the, the bracket. And for anybody who likes college basketball at all, they know that that's, a, that's a big deal. We can't wait to see the seeding, um, where our teams will end up. There's something neat about March Madness, because right now and today, and even going into tomorrow, or actually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, before the games begin Thursday, we will be so excited and so Hopeful, right? With the way that Louisville's playing right now, who doesn't expect or desire for them to make it back to the Final Four again? And we're very hopeful. And yet, at the same time, and March Madness is from now until the beginning of April, if your team loses, all of that joy is just gone. You know, I remember years ago when I was a kid, North Carolina was a two seed and they lost in the first round to Weber State. Some of y'all might remember that. That was awful. 
I remember just a couple years ago, Louisville lost in the first round to Murray State. Can you imagine? Or Moorhead State. And then the rest of the tournament's like, blah, who cares? I remember just last year that Kentucky didn't even make it. Lost in the first round of NIT. Well, it's hard to stay up for this great tournament, right? When your team's already gone. What a letdown. And I want you to know that it's as trivial as basketball is. And we're not there yet because they haven't even started playing, so we're all still hopeful right now. Life is so much that way. How many times do things not go the way we expect them to? How many times have you been let down? How many times have you found yourself saying, I can't catch a break? And can I tell you that today that's not inconsistent with the Word of God? And if you thought that that's inconsistent with the Word of God, then you never knew the Word of God. And if you thought that's inconsistent with God, you don't know God. God has not promised you and He's not going to that all's going to come together. God has not said He will fix all our problems. He has said that in the world you will have problems, tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What God would want you to know is that though trials may come, And though Satan should buffet, you should say, it is well with my soul. You should have an understanding that as long as I've got God and as long as God is with me, I can deal with whatever. That is the biblical way. That is God's way. And I pray that today that we would get that. It is absolutely true that that me, that you, that we, that, that us in the coming days are going to face great difficulty. You will, your job will, your families will, your children will. That is life. Don't have unhealthy expectations. Don't have a wrong understanding of what God is promising you. Or else you will be let down. Exodus 5 is all about this. We get to see the full gamut of God told them to do something. They start doing it. It doesn't go the way they expect. Then they're upset and they're back pushing back at God. And then God answers back. We're going to see all of this today. Read with me, if you will, Exodus chapter 5. And I'm going to read all the way to 6.1. I'm going to stop at 6.1 today. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, 
They cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink. In the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. And the first verse of chapter 6 says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. I want to go through this passage today. I want us to grasp all the ranges of it. I want to give you five points. The first is that you need to obey your calling. You need to obey your calling. When I say your calling, I mean the purpose that God has for you. Hopefully each of you are in it and finding it and understanding it further each day. Not everybody here is called to be a preacher like I am, but everybody here is called to serve God to the best of their ability, empowered by His Spirit for the glory of God each and every day in whatever setting you're in. Every single One of you. Number one, obey your calling. Number two, there will be unexpected results to your efforts. Unexpected results to your efforts. Number three, there will be opposition to your efforts. There will be opposition to your efforts. Number four, doubting your calling. Doubting your purpose. And number five, lastly, being reminded of the calling. Being reminded of the calling. Number one, obey your calling. Look at verse one of our chapter five. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, after what? Well, after what we just talked about last week, right? Chapter four was Moses making all of these excuses. God has come to Moses in the burning bush and God has called out Moses to go to Egypt, to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. There's the calling. 
You will go and be the prophet. You will go and be the spokesperson for God. And you're going to go to the king of Egypt. And you're going to be the mouthpiece for God in which God starts to use to set his people free. But Moses comes up with all of these excuses. Then finally, God gets Moses to go. And finally, Moses starts going. You see there at chapter 4, verse 18, that Moses goes. And you saw last week where he went back to his father-in-law and he asked for permission or for the blessing. And then he goes. But then you remember that Moses went a little bit of obedient, uh, disobedience. And I talked to you last week about partial obedience and partial disobedience. You can't obey God in some areas and focus on those and ignore the disobedience. And that's what Moses was doing. So he needed to circumcise his son. So he circumcises his son. After he gets everything straight and clear and he's walking in obedience now, uh, God's discipline backs off and he is still going. He unites with Moses and Aaron and God uh, takes Moses and Aaron to the people of Israel. And the people believed them. They trusted God. And it says they worshipped. So all's in place. All is in place now for the the book of Exodus to take off. And so chapter 1 or chapter 5 verse 1 says, And Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh. So now they're here. And the great storyline of Exodus that you're familiar with, Moses and Pharaoh, is now in place. Moses and Aaron are ready to speak to Pharaoh, and they say, thus says the Lord. Now, you remember last week, at chapter 4, verse 22, I told you this is the first time in all the Scriptures that you have the phrase, thus says the Lord. But in chapter 4, verse 22, nobody was actually saying that. God was telling Moses that when you get to Pharaoh, that's what you're going to say. So in chapter 4, nobody's actually saying, thus says the Lord, with authority to be used, to be heard. God says, when you get there, say, thus says the Lord. But here at chapter 5, verse 1, this is the first time, as you and I know, in the history of the world, when a man stands before another man and says, God says so. Thus says the Lord. You better believe it. You better wake up. And you better get with it. You better listen. Chapter 5, verse 1 in the book of Exodus is the first time we have that. And it is indeed Moses and Aaron standing before the big and mighty king of Egypt, Pharaoh. The one who is the slave master to all of God's people. Notice, God's people, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, this huge nation that you remember back at chapter 1 I told you was in the hundreds of thousands already. Tons of people. Pharaoh is the boss of them. And two little guys with a staff in their hand walk up to him and say, God says to let them go. That's the setting. That's the setting. They said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. That they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And I say right here, obey your calling because Moses and Aaron are doing now. It's taken several chapters. It's taken a lot of storyline to get there. But Moses and Aaron are doing right now what God had asked them to do. The calling was to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And this is exactly what they're doing. These two men, as nervous as they might have been, as fragile as they might have been, are now standing there saying, the God, the God, says let his people go. Now, obviously, that was hard. Obviously, they would have been uh, uh, nervous. Uh, That's why they had all the excuses and all the complaining leading up to it. Obviously, this was a situation where they would have been timid, hesitant, maybe lacking confidence. But they were there. And I want to ask you today, if there are some areas of your life 
where you know you should be doing something and you're not walking in that obedience. Here becomes the position where Christian people in the world are are bowing down or shrinking back. Yet we see in the book of Hebrews, the author says, but we are not of those who shrink back. We are the ones who stand up. We are the ones who uh, speak up. We are the ones who live it out. We are the ones who come with constant, uh, come with confidence. Even as Paul would write to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear and of timidity. He's not. Even as God said to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will be with you. It doesn't take long at all to know that there is difficulty and opposition and pushback and and people that disagree with us in the world and all of that. But here's the thing. Will you obey and will you not obey? What is it that God is having you to do? I trust, I think, that there are probably many men here right now who are feeling like they need to step it up with their families, but they're just a little bit nervous. I know for sure that there are people in the room right now who have got relationships that need some repair to and they just are hesitant about how that would go. Are we going to obey God or are we not? Isn't it awesome to see that Moses and Aaron are there? They're they're obeying. They are standing before Pharaoh. Commentator Stewart says the reader must not lose sight of the identity of the combatants here. Please get this. It's easy to assume that the contest for Israelite deliverance was between Moses and Pharaoh. Moses is talking to Pharaoh. Or between Israel and Pharaoh. Or between Israel and Egypt. It was none of these. Listen. Better. Or rather, it was between Yahweh, that's God, and Egypt's gods. The Pharaoh being a devotee of, a representative of, and a human focal point for those gods. What the Exodus story is about to be about is, is Pharaoh and the gods that he trusts in stronger or more right than Moses' God? Because the message that Moses is bringing, which we already saw in chapter 4, is if you do not let the people go, God will force you to let the people go. To which Pharaoh says, he can't force me to do anything. Pharaoh does not believe that God has power. Pharaoh does not believe that God is unstoppable. Pharaoh does not believe what Hebrews chapter 10 says when it says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Pharaoh does not believe what Hebrews chapter 12 says when it says, for our God is a consuming fire. Church, can you understand here today that your life and your sin and your obedience and your good and your bad and your successes and your failures are all to be forced and and looked at and brought to God Almighty? That our God is unstoppable. He is the creator. He loves us. He's for us. And he will get his way. He is working for His glory. Nobody, no man, no nation, no government, no leadership, nothing is going to stop God from bringing this world to the place He's going to get it to in which Christ will be King on the throne and people will bow down to worship Him. That will not be stopped. Pharaoh is wrong. Pharaoh is wrong. Moses and Aaron are there. And they're saying, God said. Look what it says in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, and then they qualify that, the God of Israel. 
So, Pharaoh, these hundreds of thousands of people that are in your, uh, in your possession right now, the people of Israel, those people, their God says to let them go. Their God says to let them go. So now Pharaoh is there. What's he going to do with it? But I want you to see early that Moses and Aaron are obeying the calling that God has on them. And I want to ask you, are you? See, I don't know what it is that God's been leading you to do. And I don't know what it is that you feel, man, I really need to do this. But don't you see here, Moses and Aaron, and you know somewhat of the Exodus story. You followed up into, to this point, And right here you think, yes, they're there. May we be a people who obey what God would have us to do. Knowing that God will not lose, that God does not fail, and God has a purpose behind it. Number two, there will be unexpected results to your, to your efforts, to your obedience, to your calling. Not always automatic results. Not if you do this, you will get this. That's not how life is. So let's see in verse 2. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. So Pharaoh just says, no. Who is he that I should listen to him? Who is this God that you're talking about? I'm not going to let him go. I'm just not going to. Now, at this point, Moses isn't all upset and worked up, okay? God has already said he's not going to let him go. That's not the, Moses is not shocked by this. God had already said back in chapter 4, I'm not going to let him go. And you know that about Pharaoh. God has said that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's not going to let Pharaoh let the people go. So, remember, I talked about that last week. Well, then why would Moses even go? Because God told him to. Because Moses is to obey God, not worry about the results. And we see the beginning of this now. Verse 1, they say, let the people go. They're obedient to God. Verse 2, Pharaoh says, I'm not going to. And this is the, 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 the plot. This is the thickening of the story here of what's about to happen. But it does, absolutely it does, get worse. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So, apparently Moses and Aaron do know that if you do not listen to God, if you do not obey God, ultimately what will come is a punishment. Now, praise God that he's gracious. And it's not disobedience punishment like that. It's not. God is hesitant. God waits. He's slow to anger and he's patient. But Moses and Aaron do know this. And so when, when Pharaoh speaks back with, I'm not going to let them, let them go, they say, well, let us go into the, to the wilderness. And so uh, go out there so that we can sacrifice to God, so that we can worship God. And you've got to remember that Pharaoh's like, what? What are you talking about? What are you thinking? Why am I going to let you do that? Y'all are my slaves. Get back to work is basically what Pharaoh's going to say. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. But the king of Egypt said to, said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. So they've come and they said, hey, God says you let the people go. I'm not letting the people go. So they're like, okay, well, can you let us go take three days here to have a little worship session? No. Y'all got one thing to do, make bricks. Make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. And we get done making bricks, make more bricks. That's all that Pharaoh cares about. And apparently... And we don't exactly know, but apparently Moses and Aaron, as they're talking this, it looks like maybe the people of Israel are watching like, wow, what's going to happen here? Is he going to let us go? Or are we going to get to go three days journey and worship? What's happening? And Pharaoh, you see, 
is starting to get upset about them stopping the work. Get back to their burdens, he says. Does everybody see that? Get back to their burdens. Verse 5, Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. Again, how are they resting? Because Moses and Aaron are there. They're watching, they're listening, they're wondering. I wonder what they have done. They might have just taken a break. They might have sat down. They might have said, let's see what happens here. They might have been in prayer thinking, yes, God, please let us go. Yes, Pharaoh, please let us go. Verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather the straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to, regard to lying words. So what's happening now? This is awful. Moses and Aaron have gone there and said, let them go. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let them go. And they said, well, can we go in the wilderness three days to worship? He says, no, get back to work. The people are getting lazy. The people are stopping. Get back to work. And Pharaoh's so upset about it that he says, actually, you're slowing down in the work. If you're, if you're here making requests of me, then you must not have enough to do. Let me make you a little bit busier. From now on, we're not going to give you the straw. Apparently, bricks made back in Egyptian times were made of mud from the Nile River. And then also straw, maybe to make them bigger. The bricks were bigger. Uh, make them bigger, make them a little bit more solid. But they supplied the straw. And so the people were there with mud and straw and making bricks. That's what they did. And now Pharaoh says, we're not giving you straw anymore. You gotta find your own straw. Find a way. Get out in the field. Do the straw. But the amount of bricks I'm expecting you to produce is not gonna be let up. It's not gonna be decreased. Keep doing it. Well now think about Moses and Pharaoh. Remember my second point is unexpected results to your efforts. Now Moses knew that Pharaoh was not gonna let him go. But I don't think Moses realized that it would be controversial, that it would be confrontational. I don't think Moses realized that it, hey, this is bad. What's going on here? Unexpected results to your efforts. I want to ask you about your expectations. I want to ask you about your expectations with your spouse and your expectations with your job and with your expectations with coming to church today. If you've got an unhealthy view of expectations, you often leave disappointed. Do you realize that when you marry someone, you're probably not going to change them? Do you realize that when you marry someone, you are to be giving your 100% even if they don't give their 100%? Do you realize that we came here today to worship together? That's the reason. We came here today because we worship Jesus. We do that 24-7. We did that last night. We did that this morning uh, brushing our teeth. We'll do that today uh, eating lunch. We'll do that tonight as we get ready for a, a work week of Monday. We worship Jesus 24-7. The only reason we're here today is so we can do this with each other. We didn't come here today for some new revelation to understand something different. No. We came here to see each other. We came here to, to give our money. In priority to, to, to worship of God. We came here to uh, encourage one another. We came here to bless somebody and to be blessed by somebody. That's why we came here. Did you think this was about something else? See, when you have unhealthy or, or unusual expectations in mind, when you don't get what you were expecting, you're like, wait a second. What in the world? I'm not doing that again. I'm never going back. Why am I even there? What's the, what's the purpose of that? That didn't help me at all. God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let the people go. And he says he's not going to let the people go. 
But this kind of backfired on him. He went as the spokesperson, the spokesperson for the people of God. And Pharaoh says, if you're here making requests to me, then y'all must not have enough work to do. It's about to get much harder. What's going to happen next? They're going to be mad at Moses, right? Can I tell you something? That even when it looks like God is losing, God is not losing. This is a part of God's plan. At this point, it looks like Pharaoh is the stronger person. At this point, it looks like Pharaoh is the more powerful one. It looks like Moses went there, thus says the Lord, and Pharaoh said back, no way, get out of here, and actually your work's going to be harder. And now the God's people just run scared, like, what in the world? That ain't what I expected, or that ain't what I wanted. What's going on? And while it might look like right there, Pharaoh turns around and says, who do they think they are? Ain't no God going to do anything to me. In that moment, it might look like God is losing. In your life, and in your families, and in your sinful struggles, you might think, God's losing. God's not able to make me win. God's not able to win in my little world. Can I assure you that even at times when it looks like God's losing, He's not losing. This is a part of His plan. For those of you that know God and know the truth of God and the works of God and the power of God, just because Pharaoh sticks his chest out and exercises a little bit of national authoritative power, don't think for a second that Pharaoh's winning. Don't think for a second that Pharaoh is winning. You see the same thing with Noah, right? For 120 years, Noah's building a boat. And every other man, especially the ones who were more skilled at carpentry, especially the ones who, ex- who were experts in meteorology, um, meteorologists, those guys saying, well, you know what? I don't think it's going to rain, Noah. Why are you building that boat again? Uh, it's going to rain. It's not going to rain, dude. It's going to rain. God told me it's going to rain. And for 120 years, they laughed at Noah. They made fun of Noah. They mocked Noah and they ridiculed Noah. And they said, this guy's an idiot. All he does is listen to God. He thinks God's told him something. Just look, it ain't going to rain. It's never rained like that. What's he thinking? See, it looked like God was losing when Noah was about 60 years into it, right? When you see this boat that's as big as our parking lot... And you see this boat that's about halfway together. They're, they're about, they've got it formed now, and now they're putting the finishing touches on. And Noah's seeing it, man, it's, it's there. And if the boat's almost done, guess what? The rain's almost here. That's only what that could mean. And everybody else is thinking, what a waste, dude. You're slaving away. Look at your skin. It's sunburnt like crazy. Look at your hands. They're calloused and banged and they're bloody and they've got cuts on them. Look at your family. They don't enjoy anything. You've been building a boat for 120 years. I know, but in just a little bit, it's going to be worthwhile. No, it's not. It's not going to rain. See, it looked like God was losing. And to everybody else on the planet, they thought Noah was a fool. And they thought God couldn't make it rain. Couldn't make it rain. But you and I know better. It only took a little bit longer to where the only wise person on the whole planet was the one that listened to God. And right now in our story, it looks like the person who listens to God 
is foolish and shamed and embarrassed. Because Pharaoh is acting stronger than him. And Pharaoh is making their situation in life, their circumstance, miserable. The people of God's task in slavery is getting worse. Their workforce is getting harder. Their joy is being suppressed. They were no longer seeing, singing it as well. Though Pharaoh should increase the workload and though the straw may not come, it is well with my soul. They weren't singing that. They weren't. And they were thinking, where is God? He's not helping us. Church, I want to tell you that there are often results to our efforts are not what we expected. Sometimes we might work hard to witness to somebody and love them and take them out to eat and do everything we can only to see them say no. Sometimes you might give your money away to people only to see it not go for any fruit. Sometimes you might spend so much time with your children working on their homework only to see them still fail. Don't think that life is about I do this, I get this. God's never said that. If you think it's that way, don't. Don't think I go to church and start praying that all of a sudden I'm going to find me the perfect mate. It doesn't always work that way. Don't have an unhealthy, uh, unreasonable expectations. So Pharaoh here has made the work harder. But I want to remind you, those of you who have been here, this isn't the first time we've seen this. Do you remember in chapter 1, the very thing? The very thing that happened in chapter 1 is that Joseph had died, the leader, And now it says that the people of Israel were getting so strong, so Pharaoh says, we're going to make the work harder. It's chapter 1, 11 through 14, you remember that. We're going to make their work harder, give them more work, more work. They're getting too strong. And he says, what if they get so strong that they come at us? Well, let's make the work harder. So Pharaoh is doing that yet again. Keep reading. Look at verse 9. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. The lying words? Pharaoh now saying that God's words are lies? Church, can I tell you something? There are people out there who think God's words are lies. There are people out there that think us getting in line with Christ, surrendering, confessing that we have sins, confessing that we are sinners that God forgives, that they think that's a way to calm us down or to control our behavior or cause us to not to conform to worldliness. They think that's all that is. They think it's a ploy of the church. They think God's lying. Pharaoh says, keep them working so they don't believe the lies of God. What a joke. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when I was working in a neighborhood here in Fairdale about eight years ago. And a kid came to church on a Wednesday night with some other kids. And some of the other, he didn't tell us, but some of the other kids that were there, teenagers, were telling us that his stepdad was abusive. CPS had already been called a couple times. I'll never forget that when I got taking him home one day to his house, that man came out. He said, I just want you to know, he didn't even know my name. He's not allowed at church anymore. I'm not going to let you religious people mess him up. In my mind, I thought, I honestly don't know if there's anybody better to be hanging out with your kid than me. I love him. I won't spoil him. I'll point him in the right direction. Tell him the truth. 
be good to him. And this man who had had CPS called on him a couple times already said, he's not to be allowed around you and your church anymore. You religious people will mess him up. Now, I know there's a lot of religious people that will mess people up. Don't get me wrong. But God won't mess you up. God leads you to truth. And truth sets you free. If you think God's lying, that means you're believing somebody else. And whatever else you're believing is not going to set you free. That'll mess you up. Now, I'll be honest. You might not feel messed up. If you're believing the world's lies, you might not feel messed up. You might think it's okay. But trust me. Or rather, trust God. It'll all sort itself out here before long. Pharaoh in verse 9 says, Pay no regard to lying words. Verse 10 says, So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? So as you can see, the, the, the workload gets harder and, the, and, the, and the, the, the ownership, the ones driving it gets stricter, get harsher. This is not the results that Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel were looking for. Verse 15. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you. But you must still deliver the same number of bricks. So we're hearing the same thing over and over again. Verse 19. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. So now the people of Israel are in a situation where that's not what they're expecting. Moses and Aaron, working for God, obeying God, fulfilling their calling and their purpose, are actually bringing results on the people that are not desirable. Things are getting worse because of their obedience. Can you hear that? Things are getting worse Because of their obedience. I want to ask you here today if your view of God is strong enough and right enough and correct enough that while you walk in obedience, there is a possibility that things get worse. I could name for you several scenarios right now where that's absolutely going to happen. Some situations that we're in, when you start to obey God, it's going to get worse, it looks. That's what's happening here. Does it mean that God's losing? Does it mean that things are going to be worse ultimately? No, not at all. And we need to know that. But you're going to see they don't. Number three, there is opposition to our efforts too. Look at verse 20. So they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you've made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Opposition. Now, the people of Israel who were hopeful that God's people, Moses and Aaron, would rescue them, would lead them to deliverance, now they've turned on them. And it says they were waiting for them. So Moses and Aaron are in here, this meeting with Pharaoh. Hey, let the people go. Pharaoh says, I'm not letting them go. Matter of fact, we'll make their work harder. Moses and Aaron are deflated and they walk out. And the people of Israel are right there and they say, what are y'all doing? 
You made us stink. Pharaoh hates us even more now. Our work's even harder. Our lives are even more miserable. This stinks. Everything's awful. They say that to the people of God. They say that to the spokesperson that heard from God in a burning bush. Straight up opposition. Should Moses quit? Should Moses say, you know, I'm not dealing with that. When the going gets tough, I'm out of here. Should Moses resign and go home and get him a job somewhere else and just say, I'm done leading the people of God. When one of y'all stop liking me, should I quit? When one of y'all start, start liking one of y'all, should, should, should you quit? Should you bail out? Should you go find you another church as soon as there's a little issue here? No. Sometimes there's opposition to our efforts. Were Moses and Aaron doing exactly what God called them to do? Yes. It didn't bring about the results they were hoping for. And now the people they're trying to rescue are angry at them. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Sometimes there's opposition to obedience. Sometimes you try to help somebody and they don't want help. Sometimes you try to love on somebody and say, hey, don't judge me. Hey, don't try to bring your religious way. You're not perfect yourself. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Can I tell you about this story that just came out this week from Somalia? Islamic extremists from the rebel, blank, blank, I don't want to name it, last week, publicly beheaded a mother and her cousin in front of their two daughters in southeastern Somalia after they discovered that they were Christians. This news article reported, In the port town of Barawa, the extremists, March 4th, called residents to the town center, the residents of the town, to witness the executions of a 41-year-old mother and her 35-year-old cousin. Before killing them, the blank militant renounced, quote, We know these two people are Christians who recently came back from Kenya. We want to wipe out any underground Christians living inside of our area. The lady's daughters, ages 8 and 15, witnessed the slaughter. Their heads cut off in the town. Sources said the younger girl was screaming and shouting for someone to save her mother. A friend helped the girls to relocate to another area. Should that mom and her cousin have not believed in Jesus? No. Were they doing the wrong thing by professing faith in Christ? No. Life's going to be hard for their daughters now. Did they do the wrong thing by pointing them to the Lord Jesus? It sure does look like something's not right, right? Folks, today and tomorrow and every other day you face on earth will have elements to it where it sure doesn't look like things are right. That's why at the end of our Bible, when Jesus comes back, He says, Behold, I will make all things new. Because things aren't right now. 
And they're not going to be until Christ reigns as king in the kingdom. There will be opposition to our obedience. There will be people who don't get it. There will be people that don't like it. There will be times when you think, this is not what I signed up for. I go to church to be happy, not to have to tug along with people against sin. I got God in my life so that things will go well. Not that I'd suffer and have hardship. Can I tell you today, according to Exodus 5, when you start obeying God with a purpose, there will be opposition. Now look at verse 22. We're almost done. So the people now are mad at Moses. And at verse 22, Moses turns to the Lord. Now I want to stop there for a second. Number four is that you start to doubt your calling. When things get hard, when you're getting results that you weren't expecting, and when there's opposition, you'll start to doubt. Maybe this isn't what God would want me to do. Maybe I shouldn't be believing in Jesus. Maybe I shouldn't be with him or or her. Maybe I shouldn't be working there. Maybe I should just quit trying. Maybe I'm not helping anything. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the problem. You start to doubt. And Moses is going to doubt. And while Moses is about to say some harsh things to God, I want to ask you for a second that when doubts come to you, do you turn to God? I love it that Moses, as soon as those people put Moses on blast, Moses turns to God. Moses turns to God. But look what he says. Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? God doesn't do evil. Pharaoh did that. Not God. Next question. Why did you ever send me? Moses is so right now focused on the small picture. Moses is so much looking at this right now. He has no idea that tomorrow might be better. He has no idea that the future could be so much better. He has no idea that God's about to let them go with a mighty strong hand. He's just looking at it right now. Why would you even send me here? Hopefully you're not so weak and so shallow to realize that it's not automatic that things get better immediately. You don't come to church one time and think God's going to fix all of our problems. Not at all. You don't come to Christ and all of a sudden you have no issues. No. Moses asked, why? Why, God? Why? Why would you even send me here? Because God's got a plan to rescue him and he's about to do it. Look what he says next, though. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil. See, he knows where the evil came from. He's done evil to this people. And now look at this accusation that honestly hurts to read it. And you have not delivered your people at all. I want to ask you if you've ever said something you wish you hadn't said. I want to ask you to remember that time when your tongue gets sharp to somebody. You might have felt it in your bitterness. You might have felt it in your hurts. And you said something you wish you had not said. Moses is feeling the pressure from the people. He's not feeling pressure from God. He's feeling pressure from the people. Actually, Moses is not feeling any pressure from God. God's continuing to assure Moses that it's okay. He's feeling the pressure from the people. They're being harsh to Moses. So Moses kind of turns to God. 
Moses should have said, shut up. God will take care of you. Stop your complaining. Keep working. God has promised us that he will deliver us. That's what Moses should have said to him. But instead, Moses turns to God and asks these questions and says, you haven't even delivered them at all. What a harsh thing to say to the deliverer. What a harsh thing to say to the one who just made your stick a snake and your snake and the snake a stick. To the one who just made your hand leprous and your hand back healthy. What a one to say to the, what a thing to say to the one who just made the Nile blood and then back to, back to water. This God will deliver you. Remember, it was just a few chapters ago that a bush was on fire speaking to Moses and not being consumed. This one who has sent Moses can be trusted. And listen, church, when you find yourself in a situation where you think Christianity is not helping me, I want you to remember that the one who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive you for your sins can be trusted. If today it doesn't look like you can, it can be trusted, don't start thinking, I'm not going to trust him. Start remembering what you know about how he can be trusted. Don't be so fickle or so shallow to say, well, if he's going to do me like this, I'm done with him. Instead, remember that song. It may look bad. It might look like God's losing, but he's not losing. It may look like the trials are going to overwhelm me, but they're not. It may look like he's left us, but he hasn't. The Bible says that Christ is able to save to the uttermost. And that whoever would trust Him will be safe. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you ruin. God's got you. Moses turns to God and says some bad stuff. Listen to this. This is a quote I need you all to hear. What Moses eventually learned, and all believers have had to learn for themselves, God's timing only sometimes coincides with our expectations. And His idea of the hardships we need to go through only sometimes coincides with our idea of how much we can take. And so we've all said, I just don't know if I can take any more. And yet God knows exactly how much you can take and exactly how much He's going to give you and exactly how He's going to keep you and love you and get the most glory. Would you not trust God if things are good? Would you not trust God if the results are what you expect? God's about to show Himself mighty. He's about to satisfy their heart. Could they wait? Could they wait just a minute? Chapter 6, verse 1, and we're done. But the Lord said to Moses, Now, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Don't you love that God? Don't you love a God who says, Pharaoh, nothing to me. Nothing. I can smash Pharaoh with the blink of an eye, with the twick of a finger, with speaking a word, and he will. 
He'll have Pharaoh so broken down in a few chapters that Almighty Pharaoh will be screaming, Go! 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 Get out of here! Leave people! Your God is so awesome, I don't want anything else to do with Him. He's ruining my life. My power cannot go against God. Pharaoh's about to know that. The Pharaoh speaking in chapter 5, verse 1 is big and bad because he doesn't know God. But the Pharaoh going to be speaking here in just a few chapters when God puts the pressure on will bow himself down. Your God is the God. Just like Nebuchadnezzar tried with Daniel. Inserted all types of power over Daniel until God showed, I'm God. Don't go against me. In chapter 6, verse 1, God finally says, Okay, Moses, okay. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. And with a strong hand, I will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. What God said he will do, he will do. Does it look like the way they wanted it to? No. But it will happen. Can I ask you something? Do you want God on your side? Do you want the blessing of God all over your life? Then trust Him. Surrender to Him and say, God, I give it to you. I don't know what next year should look like. I don't know what my kids are going to be like as teenagers. I don't know who or if they'll marry. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what 2020 looks like for First Baptist Fairdale. But I know this. God expects me and God expects you to trust Him. Because He's the only thing that will not let us down. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Moses' strong, strong lesson that Moses learned. And thank you, God, that Moses is... One of those people that even in his frustration, he turns to you. God, thank you that we see Moses doubt his calling because the results are, are unexpected and the opposition is, is bad. But yet you're reminding of the, you remind him of the calling. At the end of chapter 5, Moses is miserable. The people are against him. He's thinking God's not working and, and he's down. And yet there at the beginning of chapter 6, God says, now I will. Father, I pray that today for our church and for these people, we would be those who know that God is able to say, now I will. God is able to do whatever he wants to do in any situation. May we rest comfortably in that God. And God, we're all here today knowing That life is hard. Would you cause us to have a healthy biblical view of you, God? And would you hold on to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.